0: Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and this episode is a bit unusual. There's really no blueprint for this, you know, on a global scale, let alone for softball and my time here with you today. I started this podcast this season with the intent of sharing all the different aspects of the game on and off the field, the fun stuff, the blood, the sweat, the tears, just like I said in the intro episode. And I have loved interviewing members of the softball community But this time, I really wanted to talk to you directly, from me to you, about everything. And health really is number one. We need to take care of ourselves. We need to take care of each other. But that doesn't make this time in softball any easier in our world. And as I get into all of it, I also wanted to share the moment that I just keep thinking about through all of this. It's interesting what you remember and what pops into your head when you're living through something big and drastic like this. But the moment is from the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational. It was a night game between Washington and South Carolina, and the lights went out. In the middle of a play, in the middle of a game, a ball was hit to the shortstop. As it was bouncing, the lights just went straight out. Now she finished the play. She got the force at second. She kept going. Now the lights have really gone out on the 2020 softball season but we as a softball community are still here, and this is my first step to keep going. In terms of an agenda today, you know, it's really been just an absolute roller coaster. The news is updating every hour, it seems like, and there are a lot of things that still need to be worked out. So I'm really looking at where we can go from here. So today, I want to focus on the opportunities for us that we have in a time when it might be hard for us to see any opportunities. And of course, I want to honor the 2020 season. It was only five weeks long, but it's crazy what we can fit into just over one month. You know, the different pieces, the moments, the themes that emerged that we're now going to build on. So quickly, reminder that Believe in Softball is available on your go-to places to get your podcasts. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn also believe.com, and always, always hit me up on Twitter at jenobacera01 with absolutely anything. Let me provide some context. Pretty much everybody knows this already, but I do want to be super clear because it's very surreal, and sometimes you need to say it out loud to believe it. So, most, if not all, sports have been canceled or postponed indefinitely at this point. From the professional world with the NBA, for example, to the big one for us, which is the NCAA cancellations of remaining championships this year, followed by the conferences canceling sports for the remainder of the school year as well. So, the bottom line is that college softball is done in March. And professional leagues like the NPF are postponed indefinitely, and the Olympics are now seriously at stake. And it sucks for softball and beyond, just across the board. You know, I saw some things on Twitter of people saying that sports aren't that important. You know, we can survive without entertainment for a while. Maybe try go reading a book. Man, it's just a bad take. Sports bring people together, especially in the hard times. So to be faced with another challenge and not have that outlet is just another way in which this entire situation is completely unprecedented. And to to me it's exactly why we need outlets like this and anything else to get us through. With that being said, I think there are so many opportunities that we actually have as a softball community through all of this right now. We used to have in college, my teammates and I a so what mentality we used to use that basically as an excuse eliminator. So for example, oh, it's raining, so what? Didn't get enough sleep last night, so what? Now I'm starting to think, oh, no college softball season, so what? Let's do what we can still. I don't want to just be drowning our sorrows away, and if I'm being honest, I have had a little bit of wine to try to deal with this, but let's keep going. Let's take a breath. I think we should let ourselves feel and process this, but then get back at it. You know, we talk about technology. There's plenty of re- ways that it's not exactly used for good these days, but I think we have an opportunity to use it for good. And, and that's beyond softball, really, too. I mean, Zoom, for example, tool that provides virtual meeting capabilities. I actually use it for some of these episodes. They granted free access for K through 12 schools during this time. Awesome. Awesome. Let's take that vibe and create content, like virtual coaching sessions and webinars, which I'm starting to see, actually. The package deal announced that they're going to be doing three classes a day, Monday through Friday, starting next week, for six weeks, 90 total classes, they're looking at. Only a dollar per class, and it's for all players and coaches, and it's actually taught by former players and coaches. Uh, amazing. Let's do more of that. Let's keep that, that train rolling. I think we can also, as players, let's say if you're a player who's not playing right now, but you will continue to be playing softball, hopefully, after this, watch film. Let's have more coach-to-player communication. Let's actually get good at just communicating with each other again. And the mental side of the game, read some sports psychology books. Reflect. We've been given the gift of slowing down. And that never comes during season or even really during a school year. So use it. And I think from the media side, which I'm thinking about now, I think there's an opportunity to bring creativity to our coverage. You know, we go into this season being so excited that there's going to be over 1,400 softball games put on by ESPN this year. Well, you know what? We're not going to get all of those. But let's still celebrate this season, run back the highlights, build the stories further. They've been replaying some games on SEC Network ESPN's been asking people on Twitter what games they want to see, and they've been telling us that they're working on creative programming. Awesome. Keep it up. You know, we want those replays of old games. And I actually did tweet this at at ESPN and other major networks, but I think not only that, not just the old content, let's engage some of the players and the coaches who are in those games. Get their commentary. Almost like a bonus feature that we used to have back in the day on DVDs, you know, when actors would be commenting on everything happening in the movie, and you could watch it listening to their commentary. Cool. You know, let's do something like that. It's a new layer of content on the old. And it it might be tough to pay them to do something like that, but maybe this is just something we can do to come together as a community and for love of the game. And, And with that being said, too, let's dive into more softball history. Why don't we take a look at the World Series 20 years ago, or even just create content about the World Series 30 years ago. Even maybe if it was before everything was televised, maybe we can still put special features together to showcase everything. And I'm seeing also that media is kind of circulating top plays from various softball outlets on social media, and I think it's great. You know, let's keep doing that. In addition to that, I think Again, for the players who are not done with their softball careers altogether. I think for strength and conditioning coaches, this is your time to shine, man. Build at-home programs. There are so many more effective bodyweight exercises or exercises you don't really need equipment for than you would realize at first. Again, let's get creative. And let's do it with the sports-specific stuff, too. Players working on their skills. Get back to creative drills. I mean, like when we were little girls dads get on the buckets let's pull the bow nets out and if you can't do all of that do pitching drills in the garage dry swings in the living room infielders bounce a tennis ball off of a random wall work on reflexes and hand-eye coordination work on an explosive first step on defense whether it's in the infield in the outfield or base running leads you don't have a throwing partner all right get a bucket of balls throw into the net figure it out the way that we used to when we were kids And I think, you know, pressure makes diamonds. We say that as a society. Well, I mean, I can't wait to see what this makes out of us. And I think that actually has to include gratitude. It can seem a little bit irrelevant in tough times like this. But the saying that you don't know what you got till it's gone is a little bit true. I mean, were you tired of the grind of the season? I was a little bit in terms of covering it. Bet you'd give anything to have that back now. Harness it. And do it in different ways. I actually caught a quick clip of Natasha Watley, one of the former guests here on Believe in Softball a couple weeks back, and the head coach at UCLA, Coach Inoy Perez, And she was talking about what she learned as a head coach. And a big thing she focused on was the ability to make it on her own. Make a decision and stand by it. So let's focus on making full-speed decisions. Let's sharpen our skills in terms of our decision-making. And I think that's something that's really inherent to softball anyway. The theme of my interviews and conversations so far is that, yes, we've come so far as a sport and as a community, but we can still get better with growth, with performance on the field, whatever it is. One example is when I was calling one of the tournaments here at Stanford. It was when they had run-rolled five teams in a single weekend in a row. It was that weekend. They haven't even played a full seven innings in a minute, okay? I interviewed head coach Jessica Allister, another previous guest on this show, and my first question was, what are you guys doing right? What's going right for the team? And she talked about, you know, their offensive production and certain things that they were doing well. Then I asked her, because I know her well, she was my assistant coach my freshman year and recruited me to Stanford. I said, I know you. So I know that even with all the success, you're thinking about things to improve on. What are those? And she laughed but then immediately just rattled off several different ways that they can improve right off the top of her head. And I think that's just how the softball community is wired. It's never settling. It's always striving for excellence, no matter what. And you know what? I'd say this too. On the lighter side of things, softball players are now sharing some embarrassing moments of themselves on Twitter. Share pictures of, you know, from an awkward slide to maybe completely booting a ball in the infield to anything really. And it's hard to find the humor sometimes in tough times, but we have to. And it got me thinking. I remember in the summers during my college career, I played for a team called the SoCal Scorpions. And it was basically a women's team team that played in a summer league, you know, and it had a lot of other current or former college players, you know, from Oregon State, Tennessee, San Diego State, LMU, et cetera. And they had this straw white hat with like a bow on it. And whoever got the last out as a hitter, if you got the last out of the inning, you had to wear that hat out on the field. And, man, I hated it at first. I'm just, like, too competitive for that BS. I I felt it was, like, embarrassing. I was too uptight at the time. But over time, you know, I actually really loved it. And maybe this actually helped it eventually click. Because I started to embrace that struggle. And that's kind of what the hat did. You know, let's not fight the struggle. Let's embrace it. And I think that's probably how we overcome it. And I, I have to say this, too. We have to remember the reason that this is all happening Another thing is to do what we need to do during this time. Listen to the CDC recommendations of social distancing, washing hands, etc. Let's not let this be in vain this time right now. Use it to channel the competitive fight into what we're facing now. And another theme in our episode so far has been the future of softball is bright. There's a reason for that. We can't stop now. And I feel like, God, you look at the news or any social media, hoarding is obviously very top of mind. Why don't we change it up? Why don't we hoard these memories, the history of softball, and all the reasons that make the game great? Let's do that instead. And along those lines, I want to celebrate the 2020 season. There are about a million different things that I could highlight, and I'll continue to, but there's eight that I'll mention right now. I feel like it's almost like a throwback to MySpace those days. I'm aging myself, but like a top eight on MySpace. So the first thing I got to say this. We basically had postseason softball in February with all the matchups and the coverage that we had. And you know what? Thank God. It was like the softball gods knew that we were going to need it for the rest of this year. And you look at the head-to-head matchups. Just look at the top three. Number one, UCLA played Florida. Same weekend, Florida beats Arizona and Arizona State. It was like a Pac-12 roundup for them that weekend. Number two, Washington played Alabama, Oklahoma, Northwestern. Number three, Texas beat number one UCLA for their first loss of the season. And they beat number two, Washington. But then... Flip it over to the upsets, left and right, man. Duke and Fresno State then beat Texas. LMU beat LSU, who was in the top five a lot. And Michigan, also ranked. North Texas, Long Beach State, Wisconsin, they all beat Oklahoma. Iowa State, South Carolina, Liberty beat Michigan all in a single weekend, and it was their first three losses of the year. Baylor and Villanova beat Florida State. I mean, I like to say who beat who. Not who lost to who. Because I hate when news outlets frame it as, oh, the favored team loses versus winning team wins, right? So I want to give these underdogs the credit that they deserve and not undermine what they accomplished. So that's why I do that. But then the next thing I have to highlight is pitchers who hit can't get enough of it. I freaking love it. And the example that I'll use right now is Miranda Ellish from Texas. She ended this short 2020 season hitting 370, 722 slugging percentage. 11 of her 20 hits were extra bases. That's over half. She had four home runs, seven doubles, 478 on base percentage, 19 RBIs already. That's at the box. Let's talk about it in the circle 1.25 ERA, 96 Ks, and 84 innings pitched. Opponents were only hitting 158 off of her. Love it. Just eat it up. I will always love pitchers who hit and help themselves out, especially the ones that play defense, too. And we saw some of this building up a little bit. We saw Sam Shaw last year with the bat flip, and then she'd go in the circle and pitch as well. And then, of course, there's Rachel Garcia, now on Team USA, out of UCLA. And then they really have that tradition there. I mean, in 2010, in the last Women's College World Series championship for UCLA before Rachel Garcia was Megan Langenfeld, single-handedly won essentially. And then you think about the GOAT, Lisa Fernandez, been doing it since day one. I just love it. So I had to highlight that. And then I want to talk about pitching specifically, actually. I think there were some shining moments this season, especially with perfect games. I mentioned on a previous episode the seven-inning perfect game out of LSU, Mary Beth Gorsuch. 21 straight outs, 21 first pitch strikes. Love it. But the last weekend of softball that we had before all of this ended, there were five perfect games in Division One. Not a surprise. Miranda Ellis was one of them. It was the second of her career at home against New Mexico. And she had 10 Ks. The 11th one in Texas history. Love it. And you have to give credit to the defense for all of these as well. So that's a definite shout-out. But the other ones were kind of across the country. I loved how spread out they were. It was Texas Tech, Aaron Edmondson versus Farley Dickinson. Third in program history. UCLA, Lexi Sosa, freshman. The 18th in UCLA history, to be fair. That's also not a surprise, given their history and how long they've had a program. And it was the first since Donna Kerr in 2008. She was in the stands, actually, though. They were honoring the 2010 national championship team, so she actually got to see it, which is a full circle moment. But then there's also Utah Valley Brooke Carter. It was the first in the program's D1 history against Northern Colorado. Love it. And then Liberty's Megan Johnson, fifth in history for them against Texas Southern. So again, credit to the defense, but just ended so strong in the circle, and I love that. But then when you look at the hitting because you can't ignore it. The mom bombs. Genevieve Perez was a sixth year at UCLA. She took time off to be a mom, came back, and was just dropping bombs while her son was able to watch her. And the internet, being the amazing, scary, but very creative place that it is, dubbed these hashtag mom bombs, and it's amazing. I'll also say this, too, in terms of a kind of defining moment. Holly Rowe did an interview with head coach Larissa Anderson at Missouri. And Missouri already knew going into this year that they were unable to play postseason by rule. And she actually said that she'd pay the current team to come back to the Women's College World Series whenever Mizzou goes next. And I just love that fire and that loyalty and commitment to the players. And with that being said, let's talk about the fans. Over 32,000 people at the Mary Nutter Classic in Palm Springs in February. I talked to Natasha Watley about that a couple weeks ago on the show, and she was just blown away to see the line just waiting to get last-minute tickets to get in. You know, the tournament didn't even exist when she played for UCLA. And and that's actually true at specific stadiums for specific schools as well. I mean, the fan attendance records, especially in the SEC, I want to particularly call out Clemson. Their first year as a program, which it's in some ways, given the growth we've had in softball, it's surprising that a Power 5 conference would still have programs that didn't exist yet. But we have a few in the Pac-12 too. But they, in their first year, had one of the most loyal fan bases I've ever seen. Third in the nation in average attendance, over 1,500 per game. And numbers like that are becoming more common. And you just you just love to see it. And I can't wait for the day that we can get back to that. Now I'll go the USA side of things. Aubrey Monroe, a catcher on Team USA right now, Florida alum, She shared a picture on social media of a young girl, a fan, wearing her jersey during the stand beside her tour at a game and talked about how that used to be her and now she's the one on the field with someone wearing her jersey. And that's really what it's all about. And if you look at all these moments, a lot of them aren't just the game or competition itself. As we think about the big picture of our health let's also think about the big picture of our game and the softball community beyond the field and beyond right now. And I said it before, at St. Pete Clearwater, when the lights went out, we kept going. Now that the lights went out on the 2020 season, we must keep going as well. And just like then, eventually they will come back on and they're going to be brighter than ever. You've been listening to the sixth episode of Believe in Softball, When the Lights Go Out, available anywhere you listen to your podcast and on Believe Podcast Network. Also, if you listen to pop music in the early 2000s, listen to the song When the Lights Go Out by the boy band Five for a nice little throwback. It was a big hit during the Disney Channel original movie days growing up, and I'd honestly be lying if I said it wasn't stuck in my head as I've been putting together this episode. So that was a bright spot. But as we continue to move forward as a softball community, I'll be here for you. Reach me at JennaBissera01 on Twitter with anything. Softball fans, I love you. Thanks for listening, as always. Catch you soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts